Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. John, what do you got for us? I've got the Tywin and Brinkrug FC, which is a Welsh football club based in Brinkrug, Gwynedd. They are currently playing in the Mid-Wales Pro Football League. Um, That's about all there is to this article. So uh, what do you you have? Anything more interesting here? No, I um, have something very similar. Oh. I have Richard Wallace of the Rugby Union. Hmm. Um, Richard Michael Wallace, born in 1968, was a former Gary Owen, Munster, Saracens, Ireland, and Lions Rugby Union player. He was a winger. Gained 29 caps. And, uh, yeah. You know what? So there's not a whole lot to this article either. No, but at the same time, there are a lot of links to other things there, and I don't understand half of those terms. <laughs> What's a Gary Owen? What's the Munster? I mean, other than the Munsters. <laughs> uh, wh- what do you mean you won 29 caps? What's a winger? <laughs> uh, well, hopefully rugby is a little easier to understand than... Um, Cricket was yes. that one time because that was pretty miserable. Cricket was <laughs> a lot more complicated than just some weird baseball thing. Yeah. I mean, baseball's way easier to understand than cricket is. Yeah, it seems like it's at least similar to a sport that we understand. Yeah. And I'm hoping it's going to be like soccer, just you hold it in your hands instead. Mm. Probably. Right? Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's like American football. I don't know. We'll see. There's a stick involved, right? Um, no. No? Maybe not by the players themselves. Maybe the goalies? I don't know. I must be thinking of the wrong thing. Uh oh. Well, okay. Well, I guess we. I guess we have a lot to learn about rugby. Let's let's. All right. Check this out. They don't have a link directly to rugby here. Interestingly enough. Yeah. Um, as it would happen. There's rugby world series, world cup, Stevens. Uh, Heineken Cup, Munster, Gary Owen, whatever that is. Uh, uh, we also have a link to, if we don't want to do sports at all, we have things like uh, CityJet <laughs> that we can take. Because apparently he is now, since he's retired from being a rugby player, he is currently uh, occupied as a pilot. <laughs> Most uh, Wikipedia articles don't have that kind of follow-through to tell you, like... Yeah. Oh, here's his day job now. Like that's that's uh, that's impressive. Yeah, they know that. where they are now. Yeah, be nice if more Wikipedia articles had that. Though I mean, it may be like Richard Wallace may be the guy who made this article. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, where do we want to go? Do we want to check out Wings? See what that is. Yeah, you know what. Or, Let's let's try that out. That might be the only link that gets us more directly to rugby stuff. Yeah, exactly. Ah, here we are. There we go. Okay. There's the a rug- handy little chart at the top. Yeah, that's uh actually very helpful. You can kind of see like the linemen and the backs. It's almost, it's it does very much resemble like a football formation almost. Yeah. Except the linemen are like sparse, are like, they're stanced differently. Yeah. It's not like a line, it's more of a checkerboard yeah. of people. And then they have your typical quarterback. Mm. They call them other things, but 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this also redirected us to uh, rugby union positions. So this will get us the full spectrum. Um, well, we got a, the uh, forwards. We got the loose, the loose head prop, the hooker, and the tight head prop. They're your front row. We got number four lock, number five lock. In the second row there. Blind side flanker, number eight. <laughs> that's all the name. Of, that's the name of the position. <laughs> and open side flanker. So or rather, blind side flanker, then open side flanker, then number eight. It's because that would be sequential. There's like a sequential yeah. order of all of these, and they were in chronological order. I'm guessing that maybe like if you have eight players to devote, then you put an eighth person there. Because if not, you just keep one person on either side. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a feeling it's the same thing with like number four and five locks as well. Yeah, but those are your those are your eight front positions. That's kind of what I was saying earlier, like a lineman, but envision it in more of like a checkerboard formation where like. They would occupy all the black squares on the checkerboard, mm-hmm. for example. Like, it's uh, kind of spaced out that way. And then we get to the backs. Yeah, we got the halfbacks, which are scrum half and fly half. <laughs> then going diagonally back to the right is inside center, outside center, and then right wing. And then on the opposite side of the field, the left wing... And then behind all of them, the fullback. Who is all of the way back. Mm-hmm. One of the few practically named ones. Because, <laughs> I mean, inside center and outside center, you would think would be, like, on one side and then the other side of the center. Right. But they're both on the same side of the center. <laughs> and they're <laughs> not, no neither center. of them are in the center. <laughs> yeah. There is no center. Hmm. The halfbacks seem to be... Kind of both half, but half of the way back, but not entirely. Um, yeah. But and then people like the Hooker, they just get interesting names for no good reason. Yeah, they just put them right up, right out there. Um. So in addition to the first string of players, which are numbered as we mentioned before, number one through fifteen in the game of what is called a rugby union, apparently. Yeah, I always thought it was just rugby. But the game that we're talking about is rugby union, so... Maybe it's different. It could be. Maybe it's there different might be than variants. rugby. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that may be why there wasn't a link directly to rugby. It may be a different different object to the game. Oh, uh, that could be. Um, but there may also be eight replacement players on the bench. Uh, there wow. are some jersey numbers 16 through 23 on every team as well to differentiate those from first-string players. Uh, players are not restricted to any single position on the field, although they generally specialize in just one or two that suit their skills and body types. Players that specialize in over three positions are called utility players. The scrum and assemblage used to start to restart play, however, must consist of eight players, the front row, two props, a loose head, and tight head, and a hooker. The second row, two locks, and a back row, two flankers, and a number eight. So that's requisite. That's the, the, that hmm. you need to have. So those you need eight. to have a number eight. You need to have a number eight to wow. make a new formation. I mean, they really couldn't just figure out a some one kind more of name. You already came up they, with hooker. <laughs> like they just have one scrum more half, word. they have fly half, they have all these weird, like strange random names. adjectives to like describe <laughs> things. It's like, Loose head prop, like. What are you doing? Just, just come up with anything. Anything at all. You could just, call that person the center. You haven't you used call, the word you center call him yet. the front back. Yeah. Just, just make just up call weird the front stuff. Bottom. Yeah. There <laughs> we go. That's that's easy enough. Um. So there were some other. Uh, there, there are also players called the backs, as we described before: scrum half, fly half, two centers, inside and outside, uh, two wings, and a fullback. Uh, there are also some other names that predated the ones we just went through, such mm-hmm. as three quarters, um, which pertain to wings and centers, and also outside halves for the fly half position. Hmm. Those are still used by many in the northern hemisphere, but in the southern hemisphere, the fly half and inside center are colloquially called 
the first five-eighths and the second five-eighths, respectively, while the scrum half is known as the halfback. I have no idea what I just said. <laughs> I just read something off of a page, and it was an instance where I heard myself talking, and I was just my brain was just sitting here going, what does any of this mean? <laughs> your brain's trying to catch up to the beginning of the sentence. It's still not there. Like, towards the end, and you're like, it's okay. It's still not there. It's still, it's still coming along, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Why would I think... you call a position the first five-eighths? The first five-eighths doesn't make sense because then there's no, there's no such thing as the last five-eighths because then you'll be <laughs> over one. <laughs> like, you'll have more than the whole thing. If there's a first five eighths, there better be a back three. There better be a back three eighths, or else your math is wrong. <laughs> well, the backs play behind the forwards, as you would assume, and are usually more lightly built and faster. And successful backs are skillful in passing and kicking, while full backs need to be good defenders and kickers. I'm assuming they are kind of like goalie-ish people. Mm -hmm. um, they also have to have the ability to catch a kicked ball. So yeah. And the wingers are usually among the fastest players in the team and score many of the tries, which I'm assuming means points. <laughs> <laughs> they can't just have uniform no. words for That's all of these sports. No. <laughs> no. This is this, this is the the bane of those who call sports sports ball. <laughs> this is the this is the sport. These are these British sports. They demand yeah. recognition. I feel like if, if if you want to get into British sports, you have to really devote a lot of I think so time and energy into I mean, learning a lot. Yeah. Like American sports, you can kind of dive in and pick up stuff pretty quickly. Mostly because we use consistent terms, like <laughs> right. where. Where they were successful with developing scientific measures at a more standardized scale than we were, we were better at developing sports me measurements in a, in, a, in a more uniform fashion than they are. <laughs> like that's, we have our own metric system. It's called sports. <laughs> <laughs> we use similar words like points. Yes, points. everything, everything's points. <laughs> it is. Maybe there are touchdowns, maybe there are runs, it, but they're all points. points. <laughs> they're all points. You score points. You don't make tries, yes. you score points. <laughs> I mean, you can try to score points. But you still score points. So I don't know if they like count trying to score a point as like a point. And maybe they're just maybe that's refraining what they're... from saying scoring points because they think that's obvious. Maybe. That's the try. That's what you're trying to do. Of course <laughs> you're trying to do that. But I don't know. I, I don't like that. I don't Who like knows. that one bit. Um, but the centers key attacking roles are to try and break through the defensive line and link successfully with wingers. Uh, I don't know what linking means, but something involving getting Maybe together with wingers. Passing? Or do you suppose Maybe. they actually literally link together and like form a wall? <laughs> Maybe. I'm ruling the bet either. That's the weird thing about rugby. Yeah. Like from what I've seen of it. I'm not sure, because it doesn't sound like the centers necessarily have the ball. It sounds like they're just trying to get to a position. Right. Okay, well, the fly half can be a good kicker and generally directs the back line. The scrum half retrieves the ball from the forwards and needs a quick and accurate pass to get the ball to the backs often firstly to the fly half. Okay, so let's see, what was that? The, okay, the scrum half just passes it right back to the fly half, ideally. Forwards compete for the ball in scrums and lineouts are... Uh, and are generally bigger and stronger than the backs. Props push in the scrums while the hooker tries to hook the ball. Catch, hook, throw. Uh, get, I don't know. That's <laughs> a strange term to use with ball. Um, locks are tall and jump for the ball at the line out after the hooker has thrown it in. Okay, so they throw it. Okay. The hooker throws it. So, okay. Locks jump to try to catch it. 
Okay. So, right, the hooker's there. Mm-hmm. They're throwing it, and the locks try to catch it. Because if you scroll down a little bit more, there's a little bit... There's a descriptive, like, picture of what a scrum looks like. And then you kind of understand why the locks... Uh, the locks of these guys, like, in the middle. So if you have a hooker who's in the very front of this line, mm-hmm. and they're lining up against the other team like they would in American football, like, head-to-head, literally heads intertwining one another, mm-hmm. somebody in the middle there throws the ball up, and it's the, the hooker in the middle throws the ball up, like the center in football, in American football, except they're throwing it up so that the either team can get it kind of like mm-hmm. basketball like the hookers then are the people in the row behind the front row on either side trying to retrieve the ball i think this picture is absolutely bizarre it's um, almost like the, a rorschach test it's not are, like the are you are you looking at the one beside uh, number eight with the scrum is preparing to engage it's like the yellow blue team Australia and Ireland. It's uh, a little over halfway down the page. Oh, yeah. That, do you, like, they are literally, like, linked. Like you were saying before, they are linked. They're linked together by arms. Like, their arms are around each other's bodies, and they're just one massive And and then there's, if you look down on the green team, Mm -hmm. on the right-hand side, there's a guy between the two other guys' legs in front of him with his, like, his head is between their legs, and he's grabbed around their legs. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on in this game? Like, what are, what are they <laughs> How does anybody do? get anything accomplished when they're all... I just don't even know what the goal around. of this game is anymore. Um, I assumed it was to get a ball to a position. Yeah. As it usually is. It's like, there is a place that you need to get the ball to in which you score points. Right. But with this one, I don't see a ball. All I see is a bunch of people linked up, and I don't see any goals. Well, the thing that's weird to me is that every once in a while I see a ball show up, but it's always either A, really, really far away from the large (laughs) group of people, or B, the people handling the ball are like in the field by themselves. Like there's nobody (laughs) else around them. And it's just kind (laughs) of... I just don't quite understand how that happens, I guess. Oh, were you, were you looking at the picture of the uh, IRB Hall of Fame member? No, I was just looking at the before. one that says diagram showing the relative body positions of players in the scrum underneath it. It's only in the overview Oh, that one, that one, that one. Yeah. Okay. And that kind of gives you an idea of where all the positions line up so that when you see those people in those giant linked arm formations, you understand where some of the positions that we mentioned before are. Yeah. This is going to be one of those So these are not, like, spread out positions. These guys are, like, close, literally, like, linked up together. Yep. And, I mean, you don't even have the room like you do in American football to be able to launch into each other and tackle each other. Your heads are between. Your heads (laughs) and the opposing team's heads make the line of scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> like, they are both over there the line. There is no offsides because no. you are both You are the side. side. <laughs> you you together intertwining your heads. Like, your head will be literally right beside that of an opposing teammate on both sides. Mm-hmm. Which, that's a little daunting. Yeah. For the, uh, for the uh, hooker. The hooker <laughs> is um, always going to be somebody who has two, two enemy player heads on either side of him. Any event, yeah, like I said, this is going to be one of those articles that you're, if you're listening to this, you, you're just going to have to get some visual help on this, too. Like, Yeah. I, the, the article doesn't do a very good job of explaining what any of these terms really mean in um, anything but colloquial British. Uh, so... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's an, here's another <clears throat> more full-flushed inner overview. But I think it covers a lot of the stuff we already said, but it's might, we might as well pay it hmm. some mind here to, to attempt to reconcile what exactly is going on here. 
uh, says there are a maximum of 15 players from each team on the rugby field at one time. The player's position at the start of the game is indicated by the number on the back of their shirts, so that's kind of where they reset to. Uh, okay. So that makes sense. So but it helps you as a yeah. watcher be like, okay, that person is going to be there. That's that. Right. You know, you know how they're going to be set up. Kind of like yeah. how you would set up balls in a pool table. Right. Like yeah. whenever you're, you have to set them up in a certain way, the eight ball has to be in the middle. It's kind of what it is with, with this as well. It's a human billiards. Yeah. Terrible. Um, <laughs> the positions are, like we said before, divided into two main categories. Forwards numbered 1 through 8 and backs numbered 9 through 15. In international matches, there are eight substitutes that can replace place an on-field team member. The substitutes are numbered 16 to 23, and they can take up either position of either the position of the player they replace or on the field. Uh, or the on-field players can be shuffled to make room for this player in another position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, typically, the replacement players will have a number that corresponds with their intended replacement position, with the numbers from 16 to 20 being forwards and 21 to 23 being backs. Well, that's kind of interesting that they can shuffle the players on the field mm -hmm. because that means that you're not necessarily locked to one position it, yeah like you you, you start the game on, a at the beginning way. of the game you might be a hooker mm -hmm. but then by the end of the game you might be a fullback or something yeah yeah you can do both if you can i feel like the hookers have to be like really burly guys they, yeah. like, being in the middle like that having to hurl the ball can't be a easy job there are no personal squad members and a versatile player's position and number may change from one game to the next uh, players can also change positions with players on the field during the match, and as long as the laws are followed, any player can change positions with another player during the match. Hmm. So that's so it's not it's it's something to start the game with, but definitely not anything to follow for long. Okay. Common examples are the fly half playing the fullback's position in defense, or a prop taking the hooker's position at lineouts. I feel like what we might need to do is find like the glossary of rugby. rugby. <laughs> yeah, because that's kind of what's tripping us up here is we're just trying no to understand the positions of rugby right. when they're talking about lineouts and. All this different stuff. Yep. That we have no reference for. I think that's what we did with cricket, though. And as <laughs> oh, I yeah. recall, that wasn't terribly successful either because there's just a further. You just Rookie go further down the rabbit backwards. hole. You you find <laughs> definitions that have words and terms in them that you also don't understand. That's true. So it. I'm just going to soldier forth with this at least and see if we can't maybe clarify some of this in the next paragraph. Um. Different positions on the field suit certain skill sets and body types, generally leading players specializing in a limited number of positions. Each position has certain roles to play on the field, although most have been established through convention rather than law. During general play, as long as they are not offsides, <laughs> the players may be positioned anywhere on the field. It is during the set pieces, scrum, and lineout when the positions are actually enforced. So... Basically, there's just a bunch of guys running around on the field most of the time. Only when they're all linked together does it matter where exactly they are and okay. what precisely they are doing. So that's important. Gotcha. Um, at lineouts, there must be at least two players from each team lined up five meters from where the ball crossed the sideline. Uh, so that's a lineout. So that's... So it's ball, out of bounds. Out of bounds. So <laughs> wow, why was that so hard? Like even soccer, it's the same. Anyway. Yeah, the, I feel like soccer is the only like European game that has Where, transcended yep. their weird like <laughs> vernacular. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe soccer was just the one that was popular enough to have its lexicon like be carried over and applied mm. to other sports as they arose. And that may have something to do with That's it. True. But because I know soccer is super popular everywhere but here. Yeah. But there is a good chance soccer was popular here at one time and diminished mm. depending on how things were publicized. Right. Um, in any event, uh, the remainder of the team not participating in the lineout must be positioned at least 10 meters back from the lineout. So that kind of explains why we saw those pictures with those guys standing very, okay. very far away from absolutely anyone. 
Uh, while anyone on the field can be part of a lineout, it's generally composed of forwards. The usual situation involves the hooker throwing the ball in, aiming for the locks that are lifted into the air by the props. Oh, wow. So, so they literally do, like, cheerleading so they, formations. Okay, so <laughs> when we were reading these positions earlier, yeah, by prop, they mean literally propping somebody up. That's why they're down on the ground, so people can, like, run up on their backs. Oh, that's and terrible. That's a terrible job. Why would you let somebody <laughs> do that to you? So... In cleats! <laughs> So the, the locks are to Stop try to lock to the ball. barrels. <laughs> yes. This is about as uh, easy to understand as one of uh, Guy Ritchie's movies. Yep. It really, it really is. Like we, we, we really need that like jump cut last paragraph to bring it all home and like tie everything together with the, in a nice little bow and explain everything to us. Yeah. Guy Ritchie should direct this article. I think so. I think, <laughs> I think that's what he's saying. Jason Statham would fit right in in the rugby crowd. Oh, anyway. absolutely. He might as well. Didn't he, already, didn't he play rugby I feel or like something? He had to have. He like, he's something. Too, I know he's that. too built to like not have played rugby. <laughs> he just looks exactly like. Yeah. Is there a rugby player? Oh, Jason Statham. Oh, there, yeah, there he like, is. In my mind. Well, like, he looks exactly like he would be rugby a rugby player. Him and Bullet Tooth Tony. Those yeah. are the two like, yeah. guys. I'm pretty sure he did yeah. too, didn't he? I think he had to have. There's no way. Like, I think. I think there's like a rugby draft in Britain. They like, like they recruit you. Like you don't get to you don't get to just like brush it off. You gotta go play rugby. Um uh, so the scrum has or the usual situation involves the hooker throwing the ball in, aiming for the locks lifted up by the props, like we said. The scrum halves are usually positioned near the line out, ready to receive the ball once the forwards have gained possession. So the scrum halves will take the ball. They, they, they must be like your your uh, receivers. Then. Um, each team must have eight players in the scrum, unless for some reason they cannot field 15 players. Specialized front row players, like props and hookers, must be part of the scrum for safety reasons under the law. If a specialized player is not available, the scrum must have no weight. Which means, not that they have no weight, but that the player is, uh, that no player is allowed to push forward once the scrum commences. Okay, so the scrum is where they lock. Is that, that's it's a little a big huddle? cluster. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you can't, apparently you can't actually use force in that thing. Unless, uh, under, it's under very strict rules. So what sense. exactly is happening in that little um like the scrum is is that with the locks like is that part of that cluster I think this is just to begin play uh, let's read on and see if it doesn't clarify that somewhat. I still don't know what exactly, where exactly in the game a scrum comes into the equation. Uh, in cases where a front row player is off the field due to a yellow card or a red card, a which is the basic soccer rules, yellow is 10 minutes off the field, red's banned from the game. Uh, a temporary substitution of another player is mandatory to ensure specialist front row players participate in the scrum. If a team cannot field eight in the scrum, generally it drops the flankers or the number eight. Mm -hmm. But the props, hooker, and locks must be maintained. Uh, the props, one and three positions, bind on either side of the hooker to form the front row of the scrum. The two locks bind together and push on the props and the hooker. The flankers... Uh, bind to the side of the scrum right and the number eight pushes on the locks or a lock and a flanker. Once each team has formed its half of the scrum, the front, the two front rows are brought together under the command of the referee. The scrum half puts the ball into the middle of the scrum and then it and then retrieves it from under the number eight's feet if it is one. The remainder of the team must be positioned at least five meters back from the scrum. So the scrum is literally like spiking a football because what happens is if the hooker, the guy in the front middle, basically your center, 
beats the other center and gets the ball in the middle once it's thrown in the middle by the ref, they throw it back to the number eight. The number eight is, is then your quarterback. Okay. But they are configuring the scrum basically to start any play uh, from the line of scrimmage, basically. Then they throw the ball underneath the other players in between them. That's why there's like... That's why it's configured the way it is, because then there's like a gap between two guys behind the hooker, and then you can kind of throw the ball right back to the number eight. Mm-hmm. The number eight can then throw it to whatever fullbacks or whoever else is in the forward, forefront of the field, and that's how you can advance play. Mm-hmm. Okay. That kind of makes sense. Sort of. So it's like football, but with more chaos, less rules, and a dumber, dumber uh, vocabulary. It's American football. That's what it is. <laughs> Do we do we want to go to the rugby union article? Maybe just to see what just, if there's a difference. If we learned all of this for not, that would be an important <laughs> thing to know. Uh, let's see if we can uh, dig a little deeper. And, uh, rugby union. Figure out what exactly happens. Yeah. In this game. Oh well, that's a relief. Here we are. Rugby union, or simply rugby. Okay, good. So we didn't learn it all in vain. Folks, we, we've <laughs> taught you something, maybe, about rugby. Maybe. <laughs> okay, it originated in the first half of the 19th century. One of the two codes of rugby football is based on running with the ball in hand. Okay, so I guess this is called rugby union, or rugby, or rugby football. It is... In its most common form, a game is between two teams of 15, as we've said. There's an oval-shaped ball on a rectangular field with H-shaped goalposts on each try line. Okay, so they basically use, like, an American football type thing. Yes. Okay, so let's see if we can go down the walls, might. trying to I'm just trying to see like what happens in a game you know like what match structure there you go there we go that's what okay. you want right down there right under laws yes. match structure now we can figure out All how right. games work okay so at the beginning of the game the captains and the referee toss a coin which we know very much about to decide which team will kick off first play then starts with a drop kick with the players chasing the ball into the opposition's territory and on the other and the other side trying to retrieve the ball and advance it this sounds exactly like the kickoff of an american football game yeah <laughs> but with like without the stops and starts it's right. more like a soccer game where it just is Keeps constant back and forth mm-hmm. um, if the ball does not reach the opponent's 10 meter line the opposing team has two choices. To have the ball kicked off again or to have a scrum at the center of the halfway line. If the player with the ball is tackled, frequently a ruck will result. Maybe you just bounce over to ruck see what that is. Formed when at least one player from each side bind on to each other with the ball on the ground between them. A ruck often ensues following a tackle. Alright, so games are divided into 40-minute halves with a break in the middle. Halftime. Yeah. <laughs> the sides exchange ends of of the field after the halftime break. Very much like American football. Stoppages are for injury or to allow the referee to take disciplinary action do not count as part of the playing time so that the elapsed time is usually longer than 80 minutes. The referee is responsible for keeping time even when, as in many professional tournaments, he's assisted by an official timekeeper. If time expires while the ball is in play, the game continues until the ball is dead. And only then will the referee blow the whistle to signal halftime or full time but if the referee awards a penalty or free kick, the game continues. In the knockout stages of rugby competitions, most notably the Rugby World Cup, two extra time periods of 10-minute periods are played with an interval of five minutes in between, 
in the game is if the game is tied after full time. If scores are level for one, after 100 minutes, then the rules call for 20 minutes of sudden death extra time to be played. If the sudden death extra time period results in no scoring, a kicking competition is used to determine the winner. However, no match in the history of the Rugby World Cup has ever gone past 100 minutes into a sudden death extra time period. Right, so... Alright, so we got that. And if the ball goes out of bounds, then we have the line out. We're going to throw the ball back in. And the locks try to catch the ball. Okay, so breakdowns. Um, so that people can tackle other people. And we also got the rucking that was mentioned earlier. It says mauls occur after a player with the ball has come into contact with an opponent, but the handler remains on his feet. Once any combination of at least three players have bound themselves, a maul has been set. A ruck is similar to the maul, but in this case the ball has gone to ground with at least three attacking players binding themselves on the ground in an attempt to secure the ball. So basically, this is like you couldn't tackle the person, mm -hmm. but you're just kind of grappling each other, and the ball yep. is just sitting there waiting to be had, but everybody's just kind of locking up trying to make sure the other person doesn't get the ball. Which is kind of a weird... It's a very strange way to go about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that does not happen in American football. No. Like... You either get tackled, or if you get into some kind of a grapple, a teammate comes by and is like, yoink. <laughs> yep, that's all there is to it. It's interesting. Yeah. So there's like an element of wrestling yeah. in there. It's kind of cool. There's more about the scrum. Oh, and there's a, yeah, a it's pretty a, decent picture here of what the scrum really looks, looks like. like when you see it in practice. Yeah. Uh, apparently, a scrum's a way of restarting the game safely and fairly after a minor infringement, so something like offsides uh, okay. or something like that. It's awarded when the ball has been knocked or passed forward. Uh, as well, if a player has, if a player takes the ball over his own try line and puts the ball back down, or when a player is accidentally offside. Or when the ball is trapped in a ruck or maul with no realistic chance of being <laughs> retrieved. <laughs> so there are stalemates in those. Okay, wow. that's good to know. The team may also opt for a scrum if awarded a penalty. And we already there's there's another explanation of the hat uh, of the scrum again. Just, <laughs> another, just in case you didn't get it the first five times, they say in even this article. Anyway, also an important thing for I think anybody who's interested in this to try to visualize is both the scoring and the playing field. Mm. Scoring is uh, pretty standard. Rugby's, of course, play between two teams. One uh, scores more points to win the game. Points can be scored in several ways. A try, which is scored by grounding the ball in the goal in the in-goal area, which is between the goal line and the dead ball line <laughs> at the end of the field underneath the kind of like end zone looking post things. Um, that's worth five points, um, kind of like your American touchdown, American football touchdown. Uh, a subsequent conversion kick scores two points, just like your extra point mm -hmm. after a touchdown in American football. A successful penalty kick or a drop goal each score uh, three points. So if you get a penalty kick and you get it into the end zone, I guess that's also... Uh, a, a score of some sort. The values of each of these scoring methods have been changed over the years. Now, a playing field for this, and it's helpful to it's helpful to imagine, is uh, as near as possible to a maximum of 157 yards long by 77 meter 77 yards wide. So you can imagine hmm. this is actually a little bit longer than your standard football yeah. field. Don't know about the width, but it's definitely longer. Um. Although the actual gameplay distance of the field is 109 yards, which is, is about equal to 100 yeah. meters. It's sort of similar to the playing distance you have on an NFL field. 
Um, and those, of course, are the lines. That, that, that's, of course, the distance between the two end zones, essentially. Also known as the try lines in this game. Um, with anywhere between 10 and 22 meters behind each try line to serve as the in goal area. Uh, several lines cross the field, notably the halfway line, that's your 50 yard line, or 50 meter line in this case, and the 22, which is 22 meters from either side's try line. So. That's an interesting uh, uh, 22. <laughs> I don't know why 22. It's very arbitrary. Um, but okay. Stretch rules apply to the pitch size for matches between national representative teams. The same maximums apply in this case, but the distance between the two try lines must also be at least 103 yards, and the pitch must be at least 68 meters or 74 yards wide. Rugby goalposts are H-shaped uh, and consist of two poles, 5.6 meters or 6.1 yards apart, connected by a horizontal crossbar, which is 3.3 yards above the ground. 5.6 meters? That's a strange measurement. Yeah. Why not 6 meters? Why not 5 meters? There seem to be a lot of like really like <laughs> minced measurements that could have been nice even numbers just as easily and probably for the simplicity of everybody in, involved yeah but aren't. i feel like measuring something just five meters okay easy what's the point of what's the point of metric if you're just gonna make it all, all decimals and break it down again <laughs> like why didn't you just make it not something else then like i don't understand you people <laughs> this doesn't make sense you metric people, you, you, you get this perfect system of measurement, and then you're like, hey, you know what? Let's mess with it. Let's just, let's just have fractions and decimals all the time. Great. Okay, good. Makes sense. They're, they're all... I don't know. Let it go. Gotta let it go. But that kind of that puts a really uh, clear spin on it, I think. We kind of yeah. understand what's going on now. We have it's, it's been American football with soccer rules attached. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Best of both worlds, with a little bit of wrestling involved. Because why not? <laughs> so there are some basic equipment items. You may be curious because you think, well, soccer, you use a ball and that's it, yeah. and then you can basically be naked and just kind of kick it around. Doesn't really matter. You just decide <laughs> where the goals are. That's it. Yeah. And then American football, you have to wear, you have to be in a small tank to be able to play it safely. <laughs> um, so what are the most basic equipment terms for uh, for a good, safe game of rugby? <laughs> well, it's the rugby ball, which is shaped kind of like somebody took a soccer ball and, like, photoshopped it just with, like, that one filter <laughs> that just, like, blurs things, just makes it wider. It's just a little, it, just looks, it just looks deleted. Yeah, it's like, like when people try to stretch out an image, yeah. but they don't press they don't do the shift it well. and yeah. then make it even. It's like, oh, I'm just going to yeah. stretch it out. Yep, that's, that's exactly what it looks like. It's so it's bizarre. Uh, rugby shirts or jerseys and rugby shorts, which are specific because they have to show as much of a man leg as possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, these are like booty shorts. Yeah, they are very much that. Uh, there's there's also socks and boots because it you know in a game when you're going to be linking arms with a bunch of other dudes, you probably want to you know have some decent <laughs> footwear on there. Uh. The ball uh, is made of four panels. Uh, technically, the shape that it is in is known as a prolate spheroid. Uh, the ball was historically made of leather, but in the modern era, most games use a ball made of a synthetic material. The uh, WR lays out specific dimensions for the ball being 280 to 300 millimeters in length. It's a fair amount of variance, Yeah. but okay. Uh, 740 to 770 millimeters in circumference of length and 580 to 620 millimeters in circumference of width. Uh, rugby boots must have soles and studs to allow grip on the turf of the of the field. Yeah. And the studs may be either metal or plastic, but they must not have any sharp edges or ridges. So they're not very brutal cleats. They're just cleats. Right. 
Uh, protective equipment is optional and strictly regulated. That's interesting. The most common items are mouth guards, which are worn by... Yeah. I mean, that's pretty standard, When you're, like, right? grappling with other people and, yeah. you know... There's a potential for somebody to, like, fly out of formation yeah. and hit you in the jaw in any second. When your head's between the legs... Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that kind yeah, of... Yeah, I can see that. Necessary. Mm-hmm. Necessary. Um, other protective items that are permitted include headgear, uh, which is supposed to be thin, uh, not more than 10 millimeters thick. You can hmm. also wear non-rigid shoulder pads and shin guards, so like, uh, like, like uh, those, yeah, that puffy shoulder pad stuff that they, you see in like suits sometimes. Yeah, but nothing like plastic. No, no. super tough materials. Uh, you can wear the shin guards and these socks if you want. Shin guards would probably be a good idea. That's smart, too. <laughs> I mean, there's kicking going on. You really yeah. don't know what's going to happen. This game can injure you in pretty much every way possible. And yet, there's very <laughs> limited protection you can have. Uh, bandages and tape can be worn to support or protect injuries, and some players may wear tape around the head to protect the ears in scrums and rocks. Hmm. Uh, female players may also wear chest pads, and although not worn for protection... Some types of fingerless mitts are allowed to aid grip. Hmm. It's strange that they would allow something to aid in your grip. Like that wouldn't be like... I don't know. I think that's... Giving somebody a better edge over other people. Mm. I mean... (laughs) I guess it's up to them whether or not they want to have that edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the responsibility of match officials to check players in clothing between, or before, rather, uh, a game to ensure that it conforms to the laws of the game. So there is a North American Rugby Association, but I assume that they deal more with Canada than the United States. I don't even see the U.S. anywhere on any of these lists. Well, there are some uh, governing bodies around the world. Uh, You won't be surprised to know that there is a United States rugby union as well. Uh, albeit one that you probably don't hear of terribly often. Uh, says that the oldest North American club, though, was formed in Montreal in 1868. The city of Montreal also played its part in the introduction of the sport in the United States when students of McGill University played against a team from Harvard in 1874. I could see Harvard having a rugby team. Yeah. They could be one of the first, the forebearers of it, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it looks like Europe and Asia is really where it's all going down for the most part. A little bit of South America, a little bit of Africa. Curious to see what a game of this actually looks like. Man, some of these rugby socks get pretty crazy. Socks. Yeah, we go, scroll down to uh, South America. See these Argentine teams. Oh, those, look at those rugby socks. I'm jealous of those. <laughs> yeah. That, that blue, blue, orange category, kind of striped that, sock one. That like messes with you. Yeah, that's exactly why I like it. <laughs> You'd be out there, have a whole team of those guys. Imagine a whole, a whole scrum <laughs> of those coming at you. Like that guy with like those colors make the rest of the. Photograph look like it's in black and white. Because they're so vibrant. You mean white and gold? <laughs> Clearly it's blue and black here. <laughs> like they stand out so much from the blandness of the rest of the colors. Cool thing as well. Records of women's rugby date from the late 19th century, which is incidentally when rugby itself dates from, having wow. been founded in 1845. Um, the most... The earliest official uh, documented source being Emily Valentine's writing, stating that she set up a rugby team in uh, Portora Royal School in 
Enniskillen, Ireland in 1887. There are reports of early women's matches in New Zealand and France, one of the most notable, one of the first notable games to prove primary evidence was the 1917 wartime encounter between Cardiff ladies and Newport ladies, a photo of which shows the Cardiff team before the match at the Cardiff Arms Park. The past 30 years, the game has grown in popularity among female athletes and, according to WR, is now played in over 100 countries. Hmm. What is this WR that keep seeing... World Rugby, maybe? I'm not sure. That makes sense. W- oh, yep. World Rugby. That is what it is. So, obviously, you have the Rugby World Cup. Because every uh, major sport has to have a, you know, world championship. Even if it's only played in one country, doesn't matter. It has a world championship. <laughs> Needs to. Needs to. World Series, at least. Um, and then you got your regionals. Let's see. How. What, what happens with the World Cup? Um, so it's. The, world, the Rugby World Cup is a men's tournament that has taken place every four years since 1987 among national rugby union teams. And New Zealand has won the Rugby World Cup the most uh, three times and is the current cup holder. So they've been playing this since my birth year. That's the year they started. And uh, I would have thought a minute earlier than that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, you figure that the game of rugby started like a hundred years before they started doing the World Cup. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but New Zealand actually won the most recent one in 2015, and it was held in. Twickenham beating Australia in the final. Twickenham. <laughs> England were the first team from the Northern Hemisphere to win. The other champions being New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa. Um, New Zealand won in 1987, 2011, and 2015. Australia won in 1991 and 1999. And South Africa won in 1995 and 2007. And England won in 2003. So England is, in fact, the only team in the Northern Hemisphere to ever win. Not just the first. The only. Mm -hmm. The only one. (laughs) That's... uh, that just blows my mind that they've only played this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Yeah. That's eight it. times. That's all they've played the World Cup of rugby. I mean, I know that the World Cup of soccer isn't an every year thing either, but still, that's for how long the sport has been around, for how long it's predated yeah. football, that's incredible to me. And they only play it every four years? Yeah, I think that's kind of like what FIFA does with the World Cup, isn't it? There's like a soccer Olympics all to itself. Uh, yeah. But I didn't think rugby was that big. I didn't think it was worth making that big of a deal. <laughs> I guess so. I guess it is. Um, it says uh, it has continued to grow since its inception in 1987. The first tournament in which 16 teams competed for the title was broadcast to 17 countries. So this is just like an event over like a period of like weeks or the whole year or something leading up to uh, the final like World Cup. Like would they would they just be like the teams practice the other three years or play random games here and there mm-hmm. and then for the World Cup it's just like a normal year of American sports where it's just like all the teams bracket up and then 
face off against each other until there's I guess I mean but I think that it's probably more like they have like normal clubs and then it's like the World Cup where they have like national teams where people who mm. like maybe on loan from another country mm-hmm. to make a certain team stronger go back to their homeland and then that's like they maybe go to there to be like part of the national team or whatever okay so like it's not the same teams they don't so it literally it's just like an Olympics kind of yeah yeah and that's kind of how it is with the World Cup, with the, with the FIFA World Cup too. Like we don't have things like Arsenal surviving, watching it's national. That, that I think that's probably why it's more of a World Cup. I mean, I know that's hard to understand being American because <laughs> we just slap a world and everything for all yeah. of our sports. <laughs> and you know, there it is. It's the World <laughs> Series between Chicago and uh, New York. Hey, there are some Canadian teams, but. That, I think that's like yeah. Maybe maybe they allowed that just so that they were like, hey, it's the world. We got other countries in there. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's that's maybe that's maybe that's their logic. I don't know. Maybe they just like they wanted that world in that title so I, badly. I'm not gonna be like satisfied until we get tricking. like one of the com- one of the teams from Japan. Like, come on. Yeah, that's really popular over there. I mean, I feel like Latin America would also feel a couple of good teams. Oh yeah, absolutely. You just gotta stop. He's got to, you know, I'm, make I'm some sure Europe couldn't care less about baseball. <laughs> Probably not. They already have cricket, and that's already miserable enough. <laughs> I feel like to enjoy baseball, Europe would have to, like, muddy up the rules and add a whole bunch of strange clauses. And of course, stuff. and, like, completely change what, what the phrasing of it is. Oh, yeah. And you'd have to make it open-ended so that it would never actually end. <laughs> it would never actually have an ending. There would be no real duration to it. Yeah, it's just like, play until you get tired. Play until you get tired. <laughs> or until somebody wins. How do you win? You play until you're ti- until the other team's tired. That's how they win. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the, the points don't really matter. It's just whoever... Welcome to, welcome whoever to American Baseball in Europe where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. <laughs> Whoever gives up first, that's how that's we play this game. <laughs> <laughs> the worst game in the world. <laughs> but um, the first tournament of this Rugby World Cup was broadcast to 17 countries with a total of 230 million viewers on TV. And ticket sales during the pool stages and finals of the same tournament was less than a million. And the 2007 World Cup was contested by 94 countries with ticket sales of 3,850,000 over the pool and final stage. The accumulated television audience for the event, then broadcast to 200 countries, was 4.2 billion that's a lot yeah that's a lot of people uh, that's okay like that's <laughs> so that's the, so it's another thing that like is soccer literally where we're over out half of the people of the world yeah watching this on yeah. television yeah okay and so that's again. granted like how many people in the world actually have tvs even no, i mean that's not uh yeah, that's just uh, that's just America. America not doing that's it. That's literally just America not watching it. Yep. Every single other <laughs> person in the world. Who has a TV <laughs> is watching this. Wow. The lengths we go to to not care about other sports. Indeed. <laughs> we just developed all of our own and we're like, all right, okay. that's good enough for good us. Enough. That'll work. <laughs> we couldn't pronounce all the crazy names for all their stuff. So. But, yeah, there you go. From Richard Wallace, Rugby Union, to Rugby Union. And again, one of the, you know, the ending article is within the title of the yes. original article. But, I mean, it was too it was too good to pass up. We had yeah. to make sure. We had to make sure. At least we kind of understand this game. Yeah, these articles like, didn't do a bad job of eventually, <laughs> and with some visual aid, yeah. telling us how this game is set up, how mm-hmm. it's played, and we even were able to rationalize what like, the terms meant. If we... That's a good if we had a group of people, we could probably reasonably play a game of it. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd say so. Like, we could probably figure it out. Yeah. And, 
give or take, play. give or take people who are willing to, you know, like laugh arms with each other, and <laughs> right. run around the field in a giant block. That's you know, <laughs> kind of the prerequisite. Yeah. You gotta have a bunch of people who are like okay with this. You're, yeah, you have to have a lot of people that's, are really cool with each other. That's like square one. So, um, but it's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we could actually. I think you could actually pull it off. Yeah, cricket. It's just I have no idea. You know, stuff. shot in the dark. Like I don't know. Grab all the equipment. Let's see if we can see if we can do figure something, something out. <laughs> it may be a new game. We're just playing baseball. I don't know. <laughs> By the end, we're just gonna be playing baseball. We're just playing. I don't know how we got here, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So uh, go ahead and uh, visit Facebook. Give us a shout out on there. We actually got a like on one of the episodes, hmm. like a random episode, like episode sixty something or fifty something. But the person like didn't. Maybe they, maybe they did like the page. I don't know. But they were somebody that we don't know. So that's always a you know. Yes. A plus. That's something new. That's something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Uh, whatever uh, the thing that helps us out the most is if you go on iTunes and rate and review us and you can always find new episodes on our website and you can also go buy like books on Wikipedia of the articles that we talk about and uh, it's really cool we don't get any money for it so don't feel like you're uh, you know supporting somebody uh, you're just supporting Wikipedia <laughs> yep and uh, good enough yeah but I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Ethel Waters for our outro song. So thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles.